loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired to create a deeper life to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm welcoming Angela Fama, pronouns she and they. Angela is the creator of Death Conversation Game and facilitator of Let's Talk About Death. They're also an interdisciplinary artist, photographer, musician, and aspiring death doula. In their praxis, Fama focuses on the inner and outer connections that can be made, pushing at the edges of the barriers surrounding sticky subjects such as trauma, identity, love, and death. Born on the farm in Tennessee, they were raised in Ontario and Zimbabwe and currently reside on the unceded traditional territories of the Coast Salish, Musqueam, Skomish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations, Vancouver. They work from an intersectional feminist perspective, valuing equity, inclusion of all genders, sexual orientations, abilities, races, religions, and classes. Welcome, Angela. Hi, Cheryl. Thank you for having me today. You're welcome. I, I think I, I butchered one of the, um, <laughs> the, the one of the names, but, uh, you know, I think it's, it's my better first to... encounter. I've, I've heard all of those uh, pronounced at some point, but um, not not retaining in my memory. <laughs> so um, so that's an interesting history you have, having lived in some really different um you know locations in your life and also i was i was really interested in in you having started life on the farm because um as a you know person in the feminist world of course everyone's heard of the farm right <laughs> and women <laughs> taking back birth and all that so that's a, an interesting and unusual beginning yeah yeah, yeah, I think it's a, I often think with um, interest or curiosity how it is that I was born in a place so legendary for, for birth, um, for birth doulas, and then turns out I end up being uh, chosen child-free and I'm working at being a death doula. So I feel like it's a, it's a beautiful sort of circular uh, positionality for me anyway. <laughs> no, absolutely, because I do... Uh... I, I'll start by saying that when I gave birth, uh, and then when I was there at the death of my first wife, um, there was a very similar energy or atmosphere in those two occasions. Obviously, extremely different in other ways, but a, a similar sort of sacred environment, I guess. Mm-hmm, definitely, and. I, I think I see that with um, grief and love as well. So I think that goes in hand with what you just said. Mm, absolutely. So uh, everybody gets to this death work differently. I maybe have met one person in my life uh, who just was drawn to it. But then when I dug a little deeper, there was there were experiences that drew them because in, in Western culture, it's not a natural thing to want to do. 
right? So most of the time I notice my guests, uh, people, people I know who work in the field have a reason that is a personal encounter with death in some way. Can you talk about how you came to do the work? Yeah, I I, um, I came to it through my own near facing with death at a young age. Uh, so at 30, I almost um, died in a car accident. I had a brain injury after that uh, that I was actively healing from for about three or four months, but then it took about a year to really return um, if, if even <laughs> when we change like that, you don't even know there's before and there's after. Um, <laughs> and I, and yeah, I do know yeah. that, yeah. Um, in the work that, that I've been doing since I, I concur, I've noticed, uh, the people that are drawn to be talking about it or looking at it, there's, there's often a very direct correlation to why, because in our Western culture, currently there isn't a space for there's it's it's such avoidance to it that unless you're you're brought or drawn to directly look at it you tend to i have witnessed it, it's quite avoided <laughs> right you know i i i'm always laughing i've i've brought this up before on the show my kids say you know their their joke about me is no one likes to talk about death as much as you do mom um, you know. Well, others, I do. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I'm always thinking, but I don't say a lot of people do, but not you at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and that's a, there's some there's a beauty in that. Um, however, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's despite, obviously, them encountering death very young with my partner dying. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just don't want to talk about it so much. They will mm-hmm. occasionally, and more and more as they mature and as they have experiences that hit them in a different place as adults than, than those things did as, as kids. So 30 is old enough to be hit with the life and death impact of that accident, isn't it? To, to think I could have died and to have that be very affecting. Yeah, it was, it was right at that mark, I think, um between there's that uh i'm going to choose the word ignorant not as a it's just what you don't know um the youthful bliss of of almost like a belief in immortality or your own your own uh, um i want to say the word harmlessness but um when you wound when you're younger you heal quicker you 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 still think the world is is this huge thing that will go on forever and um, at 30, I was just old enough and I'd had enough experiences, like you were saying, when you're younger, it doesn't really land the same way. Or I guess it does sometimes, depending on the, the gravitude of, of how close you are to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, it hit me in that way of not being able to not see how how fragile we are and how quick and, and instant change can be um, and how much control yeah. we don't we don't have over that. So... It's interesting the way that people come to that conversation too, because for you it was quite sudden, and for me there was, uh, you know, a diagnosis, a period of trying to cope with that, a lot of fear, a lot of fear. But after ten years, I was not fearful at the moment when she actually died. But when you when you're suddenly dropped into the middle of it. 
um, you have to do all that process after instead of before. Does mm-hmm. that resonate with you? Yeah, and I, I almost think when you're saying 10 years, I think it took me about that long to be able to learn how to articulate how to talk about it. Because um, mm. I was just thrown into it. And before the accident, I was always someone that was willing to talk about uh, the things people are a little more reluctant to talk about. I, I really like going deep with people. I like going there. How are you actually uh-huh. doing today? <laughs> um, so we resonate together on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and I've had I've had some notes that even when I was a kid, I was like, "Hey, what's death? Let's talk about death." Like, like I've I've been I've been curious, but um, mm. after the accident, it was quite shocking because I hit I think my own wall of of wanting to talk about it but not having a a dialogue for the resistance that came up or really really even an understanding of why there was resistance um and in my healing I didn't really have the space to you know if you're feeling all good and you're out and you're talking about deep things you're instigating conversations you're prepared for it and there's certain like if we're talking about how someone's actually doing or trauma or, or if they have things in their life that they're needing to work through um it's different than when you're approaching it and you're you're met with walls and you've got your own walls and you're also healing <laughs> so it ended up taking mm-hmm. me that long i think to to really come to terms with it or to accept or or be able to speak about it more freely and the more i do the easier that gets so i think it is it's an interesting um I was just thinking about when people have losses and they know it's coming, like when they're planning on ending a relationship or they're planning on making a change. I've noticed there's often a lot of you either grieve sort of before or after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there tends to be a lot of build up for it. And then when the time comes, it's like, oh, oh, I've actually already grieved this. Um, or mm-hmm. or it's that kind of a sudden and either, you know, whomever is a part of it, one might do the grieving before or one might do the grieving after. But that's an interesting parallel that you just brought up for what it's like when you're well, able to face it, I, you know? Yeah, I, I used to think about pregnancy that way because uh, a lot of people that I knew adopted, you know, I was sort of an unusual lesbian to give birth, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> At the time, it was 1980, yeah. right? So, yeah. um, so I knew a lot of people who adopted, and I felt as if pregnancy sort of already rearranged my life. And so then I had the baby in a completely new context, but the people I knew who adopted had to do it afterwards. Like they hadn't changed anything. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so suddenly it's like, Oh no, what do we do with the kid when we go to work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've got um, a growing in your body enough. to Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you're tired and you know, such. So it's a little, uh, it, it, it reminds me of that, you know, that, that in fact, that 10 years did, you can't be prepared, but I was preparing that whole time yeah. for, for facing death and for grief, you know, yeah. uh, even though I didn't know what it would be like, I knew I was going to have to do it. <laughs> you know? yeah. The, yeah, That does make a difference. And of course, that was, I was 42 then, um, so pretty young. Uh, she was 45. Um, mm-hmm. Most of our friends, except the ones we knew through the cancer world, had not experienced that. And now at, you know, 69, um, almost everyone I know has. 
And that's another big difference because um, there are more people willing to talk about it at that point, uh, I think. So did you notice a difference in terms of, you know, people who um, were in an older age group and maybe had lost parents or, you know, were they more willing or not? Definitely. Uh, I've noticed um, even the friends I have or the peers around me that are, are younger, some some that have faced just one um, instance with it or, or two, it's still so unknown that there's often a reluctance to kind of go there. They might be dealing with it within themselves, but to to make it a more public or a shared experience, I found to be less common in younger ages. But um, with the groups that I facilitate or when I've had conversations, the older folk are, the easier they tend to be talking about it um, in general. Um, because of that, it, that not only are they experiencing those around dying from what I've, again, from what I've witnessed um, and what has been shared with me, but it's also your own body has started to to age past the that sort of invincible stage yes. where where you're having to really look at making choices that are affected by how old you are or your life is changing based on your age and that involves death or, or a witnessing that it's coming nearer and it can't just be oh it's going to be sometime far from now so i find that definitely the older community um and the age group that you're talking about like i'm 46 right now and the people around me are starting to experience more parental people dying, cancers, uh, different, different. Um, through COVID, there was a lot of other things happening, but um, I do still find the about starting around sixty or fifty-five, it tends to be a bit more. Hmm. Just, That's interesting. Yeah, and and I have encountered people just to say who deny, you know, won't won't actually think about it or talk about it or uh, try to get out of the dilemma, that doesn't work out too well at a certain point. You know, if you've managed to escape it until you're 65 or something, um, it, it'll put you so at odds with your experience if you're trying to get rid of that. Yeah, um, that's part of Part of why I talk or, or why I think what helps to give me energy to continue on the quest to open these conversations is I've had other traumas in my life and I've noticed that um, if I'm trying to process things while I'm in shock or while I'm avoiding experiencing it, it's a lot harder. So mm. if, if someone that you near and dear or kind of like what happened with me when you're faced with it, you're already, you've got enough going on. You don't have to be trying to learn how to talk about it. <laughs> so, oh God, such so true. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I, like I'm, I'm a, I'm a pretty great conversationalist, but when I was healing, I didn't know how to make it easy. I, like I didn't have those skills, but I wish I'd had a bit more of a dialogue taught or learned or, you know, more opportunities to talk before I needed to. So it would be a little bit easier um, and not quite so scary. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting because I'm I'm just thinking of this now, but um, it, there's a trauma in being um, separated from death as we're developing. I think definitely uh, it's, a, it's a missing piece. It's and so then it becomes uh, kind of taboo, you know, bringing it up 
your mouth won't even form words <laughs> but but that is overcomable obvious look at obviously look at the two of us right mm-hmm, definitely. Um, but but you have to first be willing to accept that it's not easy to talk about and then get better at it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. one of the I was looking over some notes before chatting just quickly. Um, one of the sentences that struck out to me, I was like, oh, I didn't remember writing that, but it's great. <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> like, I don't mean it like that. I maybe, uh, but it was just how the words put together. But it was leaning into fear facilitates acceptance. So it might think you're not necessarily going to be having the easiest conversation, but it, it, it gets easier. Or even, even just a different way of accepting what's not easy. Um, doesn't mean you're ever going to. Yes. Some people don't like talking about it, and it will never become easier the more you talk about it. But the knowledge that's gained, or just even the acceptance of that, makes it somewhat more manageable or, or peaceful, I suppose. I think so. I'm I'm aware uh, having um, maybe I'm thinking about these things just because of your you know, um, interest in inclusion and <laughs> acceptance of, of different sexualities and lifestyles. But I'm remembering how it was to come out when I was 18 versus how it is now. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally different. Now mm-hmm. it's just a matter of course. I don't, we were, my wife and I, my current wife and I were recently in a situation uh, out of our comfort zone. I don't even remember where we were, to be honest. And I um, I was talking to some person at a counter and I was saying, oh, my wife will be here in a minute. Totally natural to the way I communicate. Mm-hmm. And then uh, later I said, geez, should I have been cautious about that? <laughs> you know, it doesn't <laughs> even occur to me anymore to be cautious. So mm-hmm. we can get comfortable with saying a lot of things out loud that at first are uncomfortable. Let's talk when we get back from the break about how you formulated the the cards in your in your deck and the questions you ask and the prompts you give. Um, I'm interested in that. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes, and uh, you can. Listeners, you can find everything, every way to connect to me on the Good Grief page at Voice America. And to find Angela Fama, you uh, you can go to angelafama.com. There are links to everything you do and including the the death conversation game. Be back yeah. soon. Be sure to like the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel on Facebook. You'll find great health tips from the experts. Find out more about your favorite shows and talk back to our team. Search Voice America Health or click the like button under the player today. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring Better Help. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com slash goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com slash goodgrief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device. 
including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Resiliency is the human capacity to lean into individual and collective strengths with compassion and grit when faced with the challenges of lived experience. Join host Elaine miller Karras for Resiliency Within, a program of hope and healing designed to inspire you to integrate wellness into your life, your family, and your community. In challenging times, you'll want to tune in every week. Resiliency Within can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Angela Fama, the originator of the Death Conversation Game. And Angela... What I love is no matter how many different, um, you know, exploring death sets of cards or uh, books or no matter what, uh, I'm always running across things that I haven't encountered before, right? So you have all these different cards and uh, I haven't thought about the answer and Believe me, I think about death every single day, right? <laughs> um, uh, for instance, uh, what do you think would be the hardest or easiest way to die? I know what I want, but I don't know about harder or easier. That's a for instance. Um, some of them are... I've thought about a great deal, like, should we include kids in conversations about death? Absolutely, right? Mm-hmm. But um, there, what stood out to you as you were developing the questions? Uh, what surprised you when you thought to include, you know, were any of the parts of the subject uh, surprising to you? Hmm. Um. I think when I got to the realization that I was making a question game, it took me a while to find that. Um, I was originally actually working on an essay (laughs) and, and it was about death and talking about death. And it was about 10, just over 10 years after my accident. And I was thinking about what I felt when I, when I awoke from, I was in a coma and just, just how, how challenging that was but when I was researching for the essay I found a lot of when I first was healing kind of like when you're talking about the time periods like in the 80s as opposed to now um, identifying my wife and not thinking and having that change 10 years ago when I was looking for even any kind of research on 
brain injuries or or what was happening to me or or even talking about death i i couldn't find anything it was all very scientific or very um uh like to youth about alzheimers <laughs> um and and uh. now that's changed now that i've opened i don't know if i just didn't have the right in before but i think we are as a culture or race or humanity is is there's many others that are feeling that need um and it's starting to be planted a bit more to talk to to be exploring it or be curious about it so that being said i, I had I was finding all this secondary accounts of writing about death but i could still like even when i was talking about it with my community or or my reviews for the essay um people were like oh why why do you want to talk about death like what what are you writing about this <laughs> and, and i was like god like <laughs> i just so i started thinking about all the things that i wondered about <laughs> and and it's it's broad so i i was it i could find the more bookish ends a little more easy and it was usually in the form of end of life care so for older folk so it was a bit mm. more about wills and and attorneys and law like but again i was curious about why is it just for older folk we we all could die any day <laughs> like how is this so separated so when i started thinking about the questions i tend to have a very curious mind that expand like i i go into those thoughts of i think one of them is do you feel near to or far from death like and i and i've done enough work in healing groups from trauma so um i've over the years i've, I've learned i think about ways to think about how to approach questions that can be multi understood or or inclusionary rather than exclusionary based on my own curiosity so i've i really worked to question them in ways that whoever ch- chose to read it could read it in a multitude of of perspectives mm-hmm. um and i really tried to cover the fields of wherever we could go to talking about death in a way that wasn't in the way that is done which is very sensationalized and exoticized and and or you know trauma porn like <laughs> or or yeah, yeah like <laughs> um media like movies or 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 mass news like uh, it's it's sensationalized so i was trying to to really find a way to to approach all those ideas cuz i'd found all the other decks and appreciated them but they tended to be a bit for me they there was a bit more uh a bit softer around the edges sometimes where i just i really want to just go in there and let's talk like let's get deep if we want to get deep like let's go hard <laughs> yeah well so. including some questions that specifically invite people to feel feelings about it mm-hmm. you know because without that it's very remote and um the joke in my household with my wife is um you know, death is all all over the place in media. Uh, you know, I'll I'll say to her, let's watch a movie where no one dies, and we'll choose a movie. <laughs> we'll get halfway through and someone will die. You know, it's it's sad. It's funny, but it's also saturated. That, but I, ironically, that makes it kind of distant. It's a story on a screen, right? Mm-hmm. 
And um, there are notable exceptions. I don't know if you've watched the series This Is Us. Yes, I'm actually um, I'm actually watching it right now. <laughs> but but you know, and and interestingly, I was watching this and uh, when it first came out, and I was thinking, "Wow, what happened to this person?" Right? Mm-hmm. Well, his his mom died, and it completely changed the the media work he did. You know, so that to me is more real and invites some feeling. And there are a couple of other examples too, but by and large, it's kind of happening to them over there. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that was why I guess I was referring to that a bit when I was talking about the scientific sides of it. Like, there's the paperwork to it that seems to be a bit more accepted, um, and then the feeling part. Um, I'm looking at one of the cards that says, "Do you feel distant or grounded right now?" and I put that in because if we're thinking about death, it's so easy to just get lost in our, to the safe space is to keep it that distant space. I can read about a story of someone dying, but it's a fiction, or I can watch the news and that's tragic, but it's far away. Um, mm. So I appreciate what you're sharing about This Is Us because I, I am rewatching it and was thinking with gratitude how they pull in the intergen- intergenerational stories and a multitude of perspectives. Mm. Um, but they are not afraid of the feeling. It's all about the feeling. No, no. <laughs> you know? I would say not. Uh, yeah. It's amazing it lasted as long, so long, yeah. <laughs> really, yeah. because, of that, because of that aspect. And the other thing I've noticed that I'd love to hear your thoughts on is that um, just knowing I'm afraid of death or I'm not afraid of death or, um, you know, I get, afraid when I think about death, doesn't actually say that much. What are you afraid of? <laughs> you know, what is it being dead? Is it illness? Is it dependency? You know, there's lots of different aspects to that. And I'm guessing if people dive in the way that you're inviting them to, that would sort of naturally come out, which parts um, scare folks. Have you noticed that at all? Yes. And um, I've noticed that the the willingness to go into those spaces of that unknown, like one of the questions is, um, I don't know if I'm quoting it correct, like specifically, but it's a, uh, when do we die? When do you mm, think? Yes. When do you, when that do you that think stood out die? to me. Yeah. Yes. And, I, and I had a, at that, at that one time I'm thinking of in specific, I had a um, ambulance uh, driver, a uh, woman, Krista Zags, she's she she co-hosted with me for a lot of the Let's Talk About Death um, for about a year. And it was so amazing and informative to hear the experiences of just when people do. She'd witnessed someone that was actually proclaimed scientifically dead that, that came back. Mm-hmm. Um, and just what everyone, like when we start to really think about what that means to each of us. Maybe for some it's the body, for some it's the spirit, for some it's the, it's, it's, it's a very expansive subject that we don't even really witness how expansive it is if we're not even having that first, like we've got, there's maybe one or two things that people say pretty systematically about death and they're not very revealing. Um, Mm. You know, if someone has died, I'm sorry for your loss. Right. It, it can, or, or, um, just it, it's, it's, it's vague. 
<laughs> so yes. what happens if we get a bit more start looking in there a little bit and and it 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 it's neat because when we talk about it each person something about that interests them and there's such a huge expanse that I've not had one conversation where I I might be re-asking the same questions I never get bored <laughs> um, I, you'd think, it's you'd kind think, of like being a therapist that yeah. way I'm <laughs> a little bit like, but you'd think people would have some similar you know basic like some of the questions are pretty basic they're pretty, like it's not all let's go in metaphysical deep diving but each person the way that they perceive things the way that they um, wherever that field of the unknown because it's so untrodden upon it's just fascinating to mm new doors can be revealed so quickly because if we're not even mm -hmm. thinking about it all that much in our own minds because we're not discussing it or sharing it past our first thought how do we get to those spaces we wouldn't have even known about if we hadn't started exploring so yeah. I'm guessing that too um, as you have since you've taken such a deep dive uh, as you have gotten more um, I don't know expert at the questions there's a way that then you can in fact invite even a stranger into the conversation yes uh, that you know um for instance i'm on a plane let's say haven't been on a plane too much lately but <laughs> let's say i'm on a plane and uh someone says oh what do you do well i have a choice then if I say I'm a grief counselor, we're automatically in that territory. If I say I'm a counselor, it's still going to be interesting, not quite as deep, right? Mm -hmm. So I can literally predict uh, that the invitation will bring something out, right? My sharing will bring something out. And then people either say, oh, how nice and look away, or <laughs> we'll have a really good conversation. You know, uh, guess I never was too good at chit chat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I, I uh, agree, um, and I liked your point about anyone can join the conversation. And one of the things in the in the deck that I have as a suggested to sort of read first before you play any time you play is to remind that the answers are just in this moment. We're not trying to find answers. That's pretty challenging, or that the the whys and the whats for. For these questions and they shift so i'm surprised that when i play my answers change i might think i've got the same answer the question comes up and i'm like actually i actually feel really differently about that now wow i, I wouldn't have really known that if i hadn't had that opportunity to share hmm. um and absolutely then, yeah and in keeping with the what do you do <laughs> i have to check with myself what what space i have in that day depending on how I answer that question these days. <laughs> for um, sure, for yeah. sure. But it's such an, it's such a, that is a socially sanctioned question, right? Even for strangers, what do you do? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't love, but it's true. Yeah, and, yeah. And I can either invite more or not, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm currently so working. Oh, sorry, go for it. Go it's ahead. Side, side note, I was. I'm currently doing a little photojournalist uh, storyline for a local paper or local magazine um, about that kind of identifying yourself as, as a career or what you do and artists and how challenging it is to 
to say something like, what's your job? <laughs> do you mm. say, wait, wait, do you say server? Because that's how you pay for your career. Uh -huh. It's that interesting place of when I, when I get to say, uh, well, I facilitate conversations on death. <laughs> and I, kinda, uh -huh. I often say with a bit of a, a bit of a, you know, like, all right, are you going to go there? <laughs> you know, it's not a challenge because some people I fully have done it long enough to know I do not, I don't need to push anyone. Whoever wants to will, will come and talk and, just opening the space for it. No, but but I do think it has an impact to encounter people who are comfortable in the subject. Definitely. I, I think that it has a lot of impact. I'm I'm thinking of um, a an organization called the Conversation Project. I don't know if you know about them, but um, Thinner, they, right? I, this is political in the states. No, no, practice? it isn't. It okay. isn't. It's actually about uh, death preparation. Okay. And uh, their idea is that uh, families should sit down once a year and have a conversation about what they want at the end of their life. And I thought of it because of that idea that we change over time. Mm -hmm. uh, we become, you know, obviously an 18-year-old. Uh, the only imaginable death would be some kind of accident, right? Where they might be in that circumstance that, you know, living wills are for and all that, um, where someone would be making decisions for them. Whereas in my age group, most people will experience decline and then death, mm -hmm. right? So that's a totally different experience and your answers about what you might want would really be informed by those different age groups, for instance. Mm -hmm. I see that as a beautiful, hopefully it can start happening sooner um, within culture. But that idea, I was doing will work with, um, in my death doula course, some of the peers that I had, we chose afterwards to kind of meet, I think it was monthly or weekly to to work on our own paperwork, right? Like practice mm -hmm. as you as you share about. So it was challenging for us how hard that was um, to, to actually instigate. And then what I came up with understanding was what you've just shared is, is to have a, a yearly hangout where, I mean, I think that would be a much a very beneficial, you know, self-proclaimed birthday holiday to to always be whether whether it's children under the age of sixteen or older to just have that conversation, um, and Absolutely. then to know to know each other, to know how your your brother, your partner, your friend um, has changed in the year. You know, it's it's an ex it's it's an exciting opportunity to get to know each other to to different depths of of what we truly desire. Like, um, yeah. And it does, it does then create a reference point. For instance, when my father died, um, my mother was obviously a little bit out of her mind. It was sudden. Mm -hmm. He was old, but it was sudden. And um, he, there, was, uh, there was actually a question about unplugging or not unplugging and all of that. And at first she was confused. And then she said, we talked about this. He was very clear he didn't want to, um, he was very clear what I should do if we were in this circumstance. And they had told everyone else, right? Nobody argued because it was so clear. And they hadn't even, I don't think, uh, um, 
done a dive into anything other than if there's no meaningful hope for recovery, unplug me. That's that's kind of what the paperwork makes you do. But even that helped her so much. Definitely. I think part of uh, one of the things I learned as a takeaway from the, the doula work um, or the training for the doula work, the death doula work, was, was that awareness that as soon as you turn 18, even if it's the tiniest things, even if you only know four things, it doesn't mean you have to do it all. Just write down what you do now. If you don't want the plug to be something that's pulled, tell somebody. <laughs> because right. the, cause the, the, the stress that relieves from your loved ones, is it's like the kindest thing you can do for your community while you're living, is to, to just yes. take that time to write that stuff down. Even if you're scared, yeah, it's scary, but think about how much scarier that is when you have to make that choice for someone that you absolutely love while you're grieving. <laughs> also, it tends to plague a grief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I find that it's typically not an issue when the person knew what the person dying, you know, the person who died, you knew what they wanted. Then Definitely. it, then it, it doesn't intrude on grief. Definitely. But it does when you're wondering if you did the right thing and did I kill them or, you know, there yeah. are all these questions that just are, are uh, removed. And interestingly, the conversation project that I mentioned, there was actually a town somewhere in the Midwest where somebody really took it on and pretty much everyone in the town had, had engaged in those conversations. Oh, that's great. Doesn't that lead to a happy life when everyone around you has that off the table? Yeah. And um, I know, um, I also feel like we don't, it's not always people we definitely love. Family is complicated. So it's, again, just relieving that question. And relieving the arguments that come when people disagree. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be back in a few minutes. Listeners, you can go to my website. That's weatheringgrief.com or the Good Grief page at Voice America, please reach out. Let me know what you what what you like, what you don't like, what you think I ought to do, all the rest. And to find uh, Angela Fama, go to Angela Fama. It's fama.com. Be back soon. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com slash goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com slash goodgrief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. 
Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins looks at how natural healing and biological dentistry can safely and effectively treat most health problems. You'll hear about the innovations in both traditional and alternative medicine therapies with doctors and dentists, along with discussions with chiropractors, medical experts, homeopaths, naturopaths, and energetic healers. It's great to have all the best information in one place. And Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins brings it all together. Listen Thursdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I'm Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Angela Fama, the developer of the death conversation game and um, during the break we were talking about the impact on the conversations of having lived through COVID and the amount of death and grief and you were just about to say something to me on the break you want to go ahead with that? (laughs) Um, I was just talking about the ambiguous losses um, that have come in keeping with uh, losses directly affected, uh, but then also if someone has died as as they might have, like a, a, a parent, um, a stroke happens and you can't grieve it with your community, you couldn't travel to be there, it's it's ambiguous and real. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's just the, that yes. massive, and just the moments, death of what was before to now, there's so many layers to it. Um, and it, and it's uh, impacting everyone. I've I've mentioned on the show before that at, at the very beginning, some of my clients didn't feel entitled to grieve when actually from one day to the next day, their life as they knew it ended. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were they were living a particular life, and then because they chose to listen and stay home and all that, they couldn't do any of those things. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's a profound loss, but they were kind of at first uh, saying, well, nobody I know has died. And, you know, mm-hmm. so that's, I don't, I don't, uh, grief is just the distance between what we want to be true and what's true. And everyone was grieving or resisting grieving one mm-hmm. way or the other, wouldn't you say? Definitely. And I think that's still a case that's happening because if we think about, extended and prolonged again ambiguous kinds of traumas or grief um it takes time to process that it takes time for your body's nervous system to 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 settle and i i think it happened it's got it was happening for so long that there's just this like freeze and different again different people's bodies have different ways of processing that so yes. so i think it's like a uh, almost like the calm before a storm. <laughs> um, a little bit of healing, because healing isn't always that easy. So that processing, that avoidance, or that there's so many layers to it that that it needs to be faced in some way, <laughs> whomever it may be. So, you and I agree not everyone does. Yeah. But I, I've noticed that a lot of that has been coming out in things like unsafe driving, um, mm-hmm. 
yelling at strangers on the street. You know, people's nervous systems are not calm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. and, um, some of us maybe have practiced calming our nervous systems. You know, I know know that's a focus of my attention, but not everybody has those skills or had those skills when COVID kind of descended upon us. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's that, that teaching, um, speaking to some of my community recently about how when COVID kind of hit, I have enough practices and enough sort of, I guess, calming, uh, learning different ways for somatic uh, healing and, and mental cognitive. Um, but it's it's interesting because my nervous system, whether I understand it or not, I'm still affected by it. So I'm mm-hmm. noticing I'm a little more affected now when we're trying to go back to things um, as than I was for the first couple of years because I was so used to, okay, I know how to, I'm going to process this. I'm going to, I this is a, a long term, um, here's all these skills, uh, but it's, it's um a beautiful, I know many people have talked about this through COVID, just of how I used to, I've done a practice called Vipassana where you sit and meditate silently for 10 days and it's quite intense. Mm-hmm. I've done that quite. I've, I've done that practice. In wonderful. Life. Wonderful. Yeah. I've, I've, I've done it. I've done it a lot. <laughs> like Me I think too. I'm, okay, great. Um, As a result of living with someone who was dying. There you go. It was actually a result. It was a result of my accident. And then the traumas I've had sexual abuse in my life. And it was a response from those that that kind of like double effect I was like, okay, I can't handle this. Got to get some tools. Um, so that was over. It was about 15 years ago that I started. So perhaps you will understand or emulate with this. Um, it's a 10 day process where at the end of it, there's usually about 90% new students in what like I'd say about 20 to 60 people that have been sitting in the same room silently for a large amount of time and at the end day on the 10th day when you're allowed to you get up you run out and there's just like chatter there's just like it just <laughs> everyone's hyper and then you've got like the five percent older students that are like they're witnessing but not necessarily jumping in and then there's the two or three that that are crying in the hall sitting still that don't want to leave and and that's I actually feel like my body's doing a bit of that trying to come back out from COVID of just like I knew how to do this the setting part <laughs> but, yes. but shit it's a crazy world out there like there's everyone's nervous system is being amped up <laughs> there's lots of it's yelling so true. Lot, like it's, uh, it's, yeah those yeah. same clients I was talking about are now terrified to go out <laughs> yes <You know? laughs> At first, it was all about the loss, and now it's you have to go out the same way you went in, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's sort of you have to face all that again. So, um, and it's still, uh, you know, it's it's certainly better, but there's still an equation of of uh, keeping ourselves safe within safe as much as much as we can without completely forfeiting life. I'm about to get on a plane to visit my grandchildren, and I'm really aware that I'm not completely comfortable, mm-hmm. but I, but it's worth it, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, at this point, it's worth it. At, at the start, it wasn't. Yeah, we get to that space where we've, I think for everyone, we've had to look at what we can do without and what we simply can't after time, like 
grandchildren that connection that need um i've pushed myself a bit further because it's like I, <laughs> i've gone back to yoga <laughs> and when i was first going it was really hard uh -huh. i was like okay i'm gonna go breathe deeply in a room with other people rad <laughs> <laughs> what am i thinking right <laughs> yeah yeah but after a certain amount of years with the amount of i've already got a hyperactive nervous system i just I needed to, it's like, no, I have to do this for me <laughs> um, and for the benefit of my community. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I think that's a, a very, uh, a very cogent point because it's, I've noticed it's completely different for different people, but challenge does tend to let us know what really matters to us, doesn't it? Most definitely, yeah. And and that's, you know, some people would not take the risk for yoga, but they would for grandchildren and other people would take the risk to go to a bar, you yeah. know. Yeah, whatever your uh, need is. Whatever, yeah. whatever you really feel the pain of doing without. And then I've noticed some people um, are... are really confused by the fact that they don't miss things they thought they were attached to. They miss mm -hmm. other things that they didn't even realize were important. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's quite an interesting investigation. Speaking of, you know, deep conversations, um, there's that conversation to continue to have. Mm -hmm. I was reminded this week, um, Again, we get separated, this, the spatial distances that COVID still enacts. And um, I was reminded of one of the deepest learnings that I've had from going into death work is just all the questioning of people that are near, that are near death, that are able to, to still be with us, that are having what they, a lot of people like to call the good death, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but being able to, to witness and ask, um, or those that have, that have, I guess, returned, when when asked what would you change about your life or what would you do differently it's more often than not i would love i would i would stop yes. and i would spend time with what i love doing whether it's being in the sun whether it's gardening whether it's being with your beloveds whether it's being with your family like your friends whatever it is or being creative like that's more often than not the answer um, yes and I think that COVID's given people a lot of space to to get closer to that instead of just sort of knowing it, but not enacting it. Yeah, uh, feeling the pain long enough to do something differently, for one yeah. thing. I, I once was having a conversation with Andrea Levine. She was married to Stephen Levine, who wrote mm -hmm. a lot of death, and I, we spent a lot of time with them. And she said, out of the blue, I think, I don't think that anything prompted it, um, she said, I've met hundreds, probably thousands of dying people, and nobody has ever said, I wish I had worked more. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, what's your favorite part of your life? Oh, yeah, when I get to work. <laughs> I, wish, I, wish I, I wish I had had more time to work, you know. Yeah. But, but it's, a, it's a creative tension there because, on the other hand, we have to survive, right? Yeah. So my bargain with that is do work. I, I could say I'm glad I did that. <laughs> I concur. I actually just read uh, Levine's The the Seventh Stage of Grief, um, talking about uh, needing to have value in your life or purpose. Um, yes. And I, I completely concur about realizing like that dance of, okay, well, if I have to work, I'm going to find work that I actually do consider 
loving like that that is part of my that is part well, of my and, life um yeah and that is what you're doing isn't it angela with becoming a death doula with doing these conversations that's at the heart of love in my mind definitely i was thinking about how much i was trying to think about writing something um, new and i was thinking about a starter sentence and i was thinking about stating i am someone that I need, I've chosen to, to do with my work what I, what I need. If it's missing in my life, I feel kind of emptied. So it is part of my love um, to do this kind of work that's so integrative and expansive and more than absolutely. just for my own body. Yeah. And of course, I did watch your TED talk too, and the idea that that is actually connected to happiness. The people I know who've had these experiences are actually happier people because they're not in resistance to anything. So there's that too, that going there actually feeds life, which most people don't realize until it happens to them. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can say I feel things much fuller now. So much I feel, fuller. I much feel fuller. grief yes. and happiness, but I, I'm everything's with bigger. The change. Everything's yeah. bigger. <laughs> Thanks for being with me today. I've really enjoyed the conversation, and I hope people go look at your photographic work too. It's not what we were talking about today, but it's beautiful. AngelaFama.com. Next week, I'll have Susan Thistle to talk about her mother, Mary McCracken's book, The Memory of All That. Her mother wrote the book with the subtitle, A Love Story About Alzheimer's. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.